Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Jason Lockenford to get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. We'll also check in with James Carville and Jeff Ma to get their picks for the game. But first, how about a little commerce? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Are there any uh, particular bets, those sort of weird bets, like how many times they cut away to Taylor Swift and how long the anthem takes? I'll be honest, I've been suckered into the anthem stuff because the over-under is like 40 seconds less than it was last year. You're like, can you have a 40-second difference in how you sing the national anthem? So you're going to go over on that then? Well, you know me, though. I'm an under guy. (laughs) Yeah, from toilet paper. Exactly. You know, I'm... (laughs) The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I just want to say one sports thing um, that I found very curious yesterday. We talked about it on PTI. And then I'll, then I'll tell you a story about my dog. But um, Gina Wariema, who is the most successful women's college basketball coach, even though he does not yet have the most wins, uh, at UConn, he, he made it pretty clear that this was it. He was leaving after this year because he said, first of all, he said, well, I'm never going to be number one. Well, he's six wins behind Tara Vanderveer at Stanford. <laughs> I mean, he could actually do that this year if he won the tournament. I mean, Tara Vanderveer's a great coach, too. She's got the most. But to say I'm never going to be number one indicates to me he's leaving. And he also said that the wins I have left, they're in single digits. Do you understand that since 1993, which is 31 years, Gino Oriema has never had less than 25 wins in a season? It's astonishing. So if you're saying the wins that are left to me are in single digits, you're saying I'm done. <laughs> you know, he's 69 years old. He's one year younger than Tara Vanderveer. And he gets paid $15 million a year at UConn. You're going to walk from that? I... I get, I, you know, that's the indication. I, I was sort of a stunner to me. I mean, you can, anybody can walk the way they walk. You don't have to have a tour. You know, not everybody does. Mike Krzyzewski announced it and then coached the whole year. And other people just walk away. Right. And that's your personal decision, your personal style. But I guess I was surprised at that. All right, let me tell you this story. So everybody knows how much I love my dog, Chessie. And I do love my dog, Chessie. And we have in our house, as many of you have in your houses, a mouse problem. Mm. We have a mouse problem. We have been diagnosed with mice. If you hear the mice, it's too late. Yeah, we've been diagnosed <laughs> with mice. So um, on the basement level of the house, the, the people came in and they put in various places traps. Now, these are those um, gel-like sticky oh, traps. Oh, sticky traps. Right. Right. So that a mouse... Like a modern glue trap. Yes. A a mouse wanders into that because there is something that attracts it, him, her. I don't know how mice work in this. Um, And and they they eat this thing that's attractive to them and they can't get off the board. 
Yeah. Okay, they're stuck there forever and they die. It's a tough day for the mouse. Yeah, well, that's the next day's worse. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's how Gets it works. Gets better after that. <laughs> so we, um, we have six or eight of these things in a, in a laundry room in the basement. Six or eight of these things. And we also had some work being done in the laundry room. Some work, small work. And so the laundry room was open. And these traps were on the ground. And I noticed that my dog was not with me and was in that room. Uh Uh-oh. And the people in that room suggested that the dog was eating these things off the trap. Now, the dog is too big to get caught in the trap. These are for mice. They're not for pretty big dogs. One paw could get stuck on the glue, but she would then take the trap with her. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So I saw my dog in there, and I saw some of the traps denuded of the stuff that was on them and i went from zero to a hundred in one second and i said my god my dog has eaten rat poison and i was uncontrollable my son was with me was particularly disapproving of my behavior and i will not defend my behavior at all i internalized this that the dog was going to die because the dog had eaten rat poison and I was, use the word, as Michael knows, churning. I was churning inside. This happened at about 2.15, 2.30. Just like to set you up for success for PTI. Yeah, right. and we're going to yeah, tape at about 4.30. We're going to start taping at 4.30. And I'm, I'm saying to Michael, a dog's going to die. And Michael is being very, very calm and is saying, well, you know, first of all, Poison that would kill a mouse is not necessarily... It's a big dog. Yeah, not necessarily going to kill a dog. And I'm just looking at the dog. dog's outside. And, and the dog looks... Fo- the, I have to say the dog looks good. Yeah. The dog the looks dog, happy. The dog's happy and Picked is... Picked up ru- some energy in that room. ...running around, and I'm crazed. And Michael said, well, why don't we... Uh, who's your vet? And, of course, I can't come up with the name of the vet. I don't know where the vet is. Carol takes the dog to the vet. I don't have an answer on the vet. And Michael says, well, who's, who are the people who put the stuff down? And I said, I don't know them, but we call a woman who knows them. And I say, I'm totally panicked here. Was it fair to say you were disapproving of my behavior? Oh, uh, we haven't talked to it for a day and a half. That's so right. yes, disapproving yes. would be accurate. Yes. And, and I <laughs> I'm thought, just waiting for when I can enter the crime procedural to give my point of view. And, I, and I'll happenings. do that in a second. I'm not only going to lose, I know I'm going to lose my dog. My dog's going to die and my son's going to walk. Because <laughs> right. uh, I'm behaving badly. And it's, it's. I think my behavior is understandable, but I am not usually this passionate. I'm usually more dispassionate. I'm trained as a reporter, and that went out the window. So anyway, I called the woman who would know, and she called within 15 minutes, and I'm in a panic for about a half hour. Within 15 minutes, she gets back to me and says, that stuff on the trap is not poison. It's more likely peanut butter. It's not poison. And I explains why the dog was so happy. Yeah, I got a nose in it. I breathe a sigh of relief. So the trap is basically here's some food, eat it, and now you can't leave for the mice. Right, you can't leave. Right, so we've locked you in here. Yeah. You're going to need a pass. (laughs) We're not giving you a pass. So I am, I I sigh, sighs of relief. I feel much better about everything, but I had a very bad run there, which I think is understandable i love my dog 
Um, but I, I was bad. So th- it's understandable. And this is where maybe my age and position in life changes the way I view this. Because I have three young boys, uh, you know, and not all the kids talk. So you have to try and use all the clues around to see what happened. If they're in another room and you hear a cry or, you know, you see something, you know, rash or tugging at an ear, you have to try and figure out what happened. So I, in that I never instance, had that you, problem you immediately have to get into that investigative mode. Yes, of course. And I, what makes me so happy is when I get a, uh, when Liz gets a voicemail later. I did? And then it goes to transcript, and she's going, my goodness, what happened this afternoon? Right. And she's like, Tony must have really messed up because he's trying to get ahead of this <laughs> uh, by getting to me first. So uh, we... Had known it's that terrible was, when your children and their and their we conspire. other people we are so smart. You know, it's just terrible <laughs> when they're smarter than you are. So we knew that there was a mouse uh, that we had to dispose of. Yes. And so for day uh, for a day, I I came back over here. I brought a little trash bag, and there was a story about the possum in our front yard at, at when I was a kid. Uh, and you and I went out. You told me to get the shovel. And we removed the possum. And put it and in the garbage can. So with the mouse, we went outside. We were bagging up the, the mouse that had to be removed. And I, I just had a fond memory of this, the shared experience with my dad. Potato sack races. Yeah. Getting dead vomits out yeah. of the street. The yeah. mouse. <laughs> we then go upstairs. Five minutes later, you go, where's the dog? Where's the dog? And, and again, maybe this is because I've had some mouse issues myself. I understand that there is a... There are some safety mechanisms that they put on any, if it's a bait block, if it's a That's bait trap, uh, they usually have a key because they want to make sure that they keep the prying nose of a dog or a kid out of that trap. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit less concerned, but I, obviously I'm glad that everything worked out. And that dog clearly has a taste of peanut butter that she's... Yeah, no, she was, she's fine, but, but I think it has to be emphasized that this is the first time I've spoken to you in over a day because you were disgusted with me. And uh, I knew you gave, it. I you, knew it. You had, one, you had one voicemail that you, you tried to reach me and then you gave up. <laughs> and then when we looked at each other this morning, there was a mutual understanding. Right. So This I, has passed. I, it's gone. Rapprochement. Right? But I behaved badly, but I think understandably It's badly. an emotional moment. It's an emotional moment because you think the poison's in there. What can we do? This is... You know, this is going to happen. And I'm going to lose the dog. Did you see my fourth finger? Yeah. Oh. Tell, what is, how, how does it look? It look? What does it look like? It looks a little bruised, actually. It looks bruised, doesn't yeah. it? It looks red. It looks different from the other fingers yeah. as I hold this up on News Channel 8. You know why that happened? Because when I decided the dog was going to die because she ate rat poison, I slammed my hand into something. Didn't hurt at the time. Killing me now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> this is God's work. <laughs> killing me now. Oh, I have good news to share. What? I have something that is arriving this afternoon for you. Is it Lupo's? Lupo's Speedy Marinade. Oh, yeah, yeah. The voicemail worked. Yeah, we ordered. (laughs) Called them up. Yeah. This is Tony Kornheiser. I I love your product. I'd like you to call me back, please. Yeah, and they did. They called back the next day. But before that happened, Michael ordered it for me. Because I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to go online and do that. I still call people up. Three bottles of original and one for the chicken. The chicken. And it's in Endicott, New York, Lupo's. You know, it's not the home of Speedy's. It's one of the homes of Speedy's. It certainly felt like the home when, when with the person on the phone, he kept saying, like, I used to get these at Sharky's. What was the place called? Like, the Poncho's Pit. Pit. Poncho's Pit. Poncho's Pit. <laughs> Poncho's Pit. Those were the three places that I went for Speedy's. Lupo still has them. But, you know, Speedy's have have uh, sort of transformed. They used to be lamb. Now they're chicken as well. Now they're, now they're almost chicken. all chicken. Almost all chicken. Almost all chicken, yeah. I mean, lamb must be so expensive and hard to get in. Binghamton, New York. You know, the, the, the lambs don't go that way. <laughs> they don't. Right. They don't lambs. 
Big, not, big in Greece, not so much in Binghamton. Not, they stick not, to 95. They're not going up there. <laughs> so anyway. All right. We will, uh, Jason Lock and Four, when we return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Dominic Melillo, and you'll forgive me if I say he sounds like Carl Wilson. Um, he has a few songs that he sent to us. Six Summers is a Beach Boys theme owed to the high school days of growing up on Long Island. I went to Maria Regina High School and Chaminade High School and was our rival, but I have great football friends from there to this day. In the song, I reminisce about the summers we spent together at Lido Beach, the Jones Beach Hotel, and working out together to make our college football dreams come true. It's, this is so good. <laughs> this is so good, and it pleases me so much that he's a Long Island boy. Yeah. Um, it's an homage, obviously. I mean, it's really good. Listen to it. Let me shut up and, and go to the end of the podcast and just listen to it by Dominic Melillo, Six Summers. He plays in Jason Lock and Fora, and I should read, we're joined by Odyssey NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora, host of the podcast In the Huddle, covering the entire NFL. I got a lot of things. I mean, I just realized this morning that they gave out those individual honors and they put in a Hall of Fame class. I didn't realize that was happening right now. Any surprises to you? Anything you wish to comment on? I mean, I, I don't think anybody in their right mind is surprised that Lamar Jackson is the MVP. I yep. thought it should have been unanimous, so I don't know what the vote was. but Yeah, it was almost unanimous. There was one uh, voter who put him at third. Really? Yeah. Must not have watched much football this year. <laughs> or he watched too much and uh, worked himself into a lather and... Mm. Uh, you know, a contrarian mindset. No, I, I didn't really. I, look, I'll be honest with you. I didn't. I didn't watch any of that stuff last yeah, night. Yeah, neither did I. Um, I think you know Antonio Gates didn't get in the Hall of Fame. That that really hard time. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's an interesting one, but you know those guys do interesting work. So, and it's a tough gig. I get all that, but when you have years of grievances and perceived grievances, and this guy shouldn't get in now, and I don't like something that guy said to me. You know, when I had a notebook in front of him 12 years ago, like when you get into this and that and it becomes drama queen stuff, then, yeah, you get off track and, um, you know, it gets it gets overly politicized. I don't know what I, I don't know what, you know, Antonio Gates is like what what the slight there would have been. Um, but I do find it odd that he's not a slam dunk, you know, immediate Hall of Famer. It, it, it's it's the Hall of Fame in football. There's so many different positions. There's so many qualified people over so many years that I, you know what I mean? I hope, yeah. I hope you get to everybody after a while. I mean, it took Steve right. McMichael, who should have been in the Hall of Fame 20 years ago, it took him to the Veterans Committee, right, to yeah. get in. I mean, are you yeah. kidding me? There's no perfect process. Right. And, and I got issues with baseball as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, there, there are certainly people who get left behind. 
Yeah, that's what clearly happened here. Um, is there is there any particular Super Bowl story that has popped up? Anything you want to talk like Kadarius Tony or uh, injuries or surprises? Don't want to talk about him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't play him. I'd rather talk about the ball boy or what color the Gatorade's going to be yeah. than have to talk about that energy vampire. Yeah. Um, plots to the game? Uh, I mean, uh, nothing really outside of just sort of how these teams, you know, shape up and uh, what I kind of think may or may not happen and, and you know, certain matchups or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of thinking maybe there was an outside chance that Joe Tooney would be back for this. That right. now sounds like a complete non-starter. You know, the, the, the next man up at left guard has, has held his own, but this is a Super Bowl, and um, it's just a different stage. So it's certainly something uh, to monitor, and, and I suspect that Steve Wilkes will have some twists and stunts and inside blitzes. Uh, activating his very athletic linebackers to, to try to test out that center-guard combo. Um, but, no, I mean, I, I think it's been a relatively quiet week. I, I mean, I, I do think the 49ers are just, boy, they love they love a good grievance, don't they? Like, oh, they, they start looking for excuses two weeks before the game. It, it, they, do, they do make me chuckle a little bit. Um, Sometimes and th- this whole thing about their practice field is just it. Uh, I don't know. It does make me wonder about them a little bit sometimes. So here's my feeling about the game, and and I don't. I have not felt this way in a number of Super Bowls. I do think these are the two best teams. I mean, you have the defending champion Super Bowl team, which earned its way here by going on the road against a team that I think both of us would say we thought was the best team in the NFC for the last two years. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this is not some team getting in where you go, oh, that's a surprise. No, this is not that. These are teams that at the beginning of the year you could very easily have said they're the two best teams in terms of their respective conferences. So I, I don't usually look forward to it, and this year I do. Do you have that same feeling? I would agree with your assessment there. I, I absolutely would. Um, you know, th- one of them has done it a little differently than the expectation. I do feel like one of them has come on late, and the other one has really, to me, been a little bit punch drunk and staggered since the Ravens landed some haymakers yes. on them in Week 16. Yes. I-, I have not been overly impressed by them. Um but because they're in, they got a subsidy. They're, they're you know, they, they are the one seed, and they're in the lesser conference. So their level of competition, you know, it's not the same. I'm sorry, it's just not. It's, it's going not. to Buffalo and going to Baltimore. No, it's not. No. And finding ways to beat them, even if you didn't beat them in the way that some people wish you beat them or the way you used to beat them, you still beat them. So I, I, I do feel like one of these teams has been sort of reinventing themselves for the better, and the other one has been falling back to the pack, just not far enough for it to really bite them in the ass yet, but I think we're a couple days away from that happening. Uh, but, I mean, to me, it's not, it's not the most difficult handicap in the world. Like, I think, they, you know, the Chiefs have the better uh, offensive play-calling head coach. They have the better quarterback. 
they have the better defensive coordinator, they have the better defense. They have the better special teams coordinator, they have the better special teams, including a huge advantage at kicker. Um, they have the creature comfort advantage in that uh, they know that stadium inside out. They've done nothing but win at that stadium. The only place that the kicker uh, has made more kicks than Allegiant Stadium the last four years is his home stadium of Arrowhead. Uh, then there's just the overall experience difference, the fact that they've been there, done that. They were just there last year. Um, and who's playing the better football down the stretch? So all, I check all those boxes for the Chiefs. So You have Andy Reid as a better play caller than Kyle Shanahan? Play calling head coach? Yeah, I mean, what, what okay. big game has Kyle Shanahan won? No, he hasn't. I mean, Andy I mean, Reid didn't win big ones in Philadelphia. Andy, Andy Reid didn't for a long time. Right, okay. I get that, but... You know, I think Andy Reid has managed all types of different games to make this uh, the cusp of a dynasty. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, is most notorious for getting in his own head and altering game plans for no good reason and blowing games. Um, so I, I like the Chiefs. Oh, yeah, it sounds like you like the Chiefs. Yeah. Our friend Ron Jaworski likes the Chiefs. He texted me last night. He likes the Chiefs. Can I go off? Uh, let me go off the board then. Sure. All the coaching things are filled, and Bill Belichick is standing. Yeah. Um, are you surprised by that? I'm not. I'm not. You know, I did a lot of reporting on this for the Washington Post, and uh, it was pretty, you know, steadfast in October when it was clear that that thing was fracturing. Um, yeah. People I trust, coaching agents, general managers, people who are involved in NFL front offices all thought, There'd be a limited market for him. And by November, it, it looked like a real limited market. And by December, I'm writing columns saying, you know, Harbaugh might get the Chargers job. Like, that might be a match, but there's not going to be a feeding frenzy for him. And Bill Belichick's best shot to be in the league next year is at a, is at a football czar, is, at a, is, is at, in a front office role, not as a head coach, because people just didn't see the match. Um, that doesn't mean that's right. But that's just the reality. That's the market forces he was facing going into his age 72 season. Um, and, and it's not all about football. It's, it's also, to a large degree, about personalities. And really, more than anything else, it's about people who have super, super cushy front office jobs doing their damnedest, not to make sure their teams win, but to make sure they keep their ass in those super, super yeah, cushy they don't front want office jobs. They don't want it, Belichick. It's about self-preservation. It's about having the owner's ear and maintaining having the owner's ear above all else. Um, and and so when you looked at the landscape and you assessed it, and if you knew the particulars involved and you knew who kind of like the fake owner was in each team, because a lot of these owners, there's a guy behind the guy who has an incredible amount of sway and only pops up when he wants to. Um, but like they know what they're up against. Uh, I just didn't see the match. And more okay. importantly, people way smarter than me in the league didn't see That's fair. the match. Um, a year from now, maybe. I don't think Bill Belichick's going to go on any sort of uh, image rehab tour. Like, I don't think he's going to try to pretend he's something he's not. Like, if you want me to come in and clean your team up and do whatever I think it takes to win and win quickly, I'm your guy. You know, if it's about, you know, who's going to bring the best meatloaf to the <laughs> – you know, to the Friday night potluck, I'm probably right. not your guy. Okay, let me get on one other, one other thing. And, and we're months away from this. 
Is there any reason right now today that the Chicago Bears would not take Caleb Williams? No. No, and even if they trade back, they'd only trade back a few spots, and they'd, you know, in all likelihood, still want to stay in that, you know, real uh, secure pocket of the first three picks because I, I do think they're going to go one, two, three, and I think there's going to be at least four in the top ten, and I think there's probably going to end up being six in the top thirty, wow. um, certainly five. Uh, but no, I, I think they're going to trade Justin Fields, and I think they're mm-hmm. going to take a quarterback. Uh, and they're going to expect some quick returns with that quarterback. I, I, I tend I, to agree with that. All right, plug your radio show for us. Uh, thank you, Tony. You can listen to me yammer and yap from 2 to 6 uh, weekdays on Inside Access in Baltimore. You could also listen to us uh, in podcast format in real time or after the fact on the Odyssey app, which you can download for free in your app store. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Enjoy talk- the game. Thanks, Yeah, guys. we'll talk to you Monday. That was okay. Odyssey NFL Thanks. Insider, Jason Lock and Fora. Make sure to follow in the huddle on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we will come back, hopefully, with James Carville, certainly with Jeff Ma, sleepy Jeff Ma at this point because <laughs> he's back in California. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Well, you wake up in the morning, boy. You hear the ding-dong ring. This is James Carville's walk-up then music. You look upon the table, Bob. This is Paul Evans's version see the same darn thing. of Midnight Special. Yes, we love Carville so much, we table, give him his own walk-up music. James had There's a no bad week last week, 0 oh, and 4, but is still but winning. All the humans have won. Simeon's, not so much. Not All so the much. humans have won. Are you one of those people who, James, who uh, does the prop bets, or you just do the straight bet on who wins the game? Uh, we got a few prop bets today. What do you got? Well, uh, what, what do you got? What are you? What game line are y'all using? Well, we got there. There's two. Is it two now? Well, no, it's two and a half. Two and a half and one and a half. There's two and a half and one and a half. But I mean, to me, in a Super Bowl. You know, you're going to pick a winner pretty much, and that's not a three-point thing. But you, you use whatever line you want. It's fine with me. The Swifties are going to be happy. Okay. So you I'm like Kansas, Kansas City. City. Plus two and a half. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Brandon Ayuk. Yes. Under four and a half receiving. Did you say over or under? Under. Under four and a half. Under four and a half receptions, uh-huh. Right. Travis Kelsey, plus 69.5 yards. Taking the over? Over, yes, over. Okay. Brock Purdy, under 32.5 passes. Under 32.5, just passes, not completions, passes. Right, right, passes. Mm -hmm. Christian McCarthy, most rush attempts. Oh, so that's just a straight bet. He just has to have one right. more than anybody else. He 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 had rush, most rush attempts. Okay. McCarthy. And then Debo Samuel under sixteen point five rushing. I don't know how. I mean, I I guess he doesn't end around every now and then. Uh huh. That was one of the lines we saw, so we took it. Okay, so those are five, that's, right? Yeah, the great ACL has combed through this. And um. This is what we come up with. Uh, that's I and mean, that's fine. That's fine. You know, there are a million of these bets. I right. 
There's a million, but you you like most important. You like Kansas City with two and a half. I, I do, and I, and I like uh, Travis Kelsey for over six nine and a half yards. Do you like yeah. Kansas City straight up? If it was straight up, I do. But yeah. if somebody's gonna give me two and a half points. No, I I understand. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. If I if I probably would bet it straight up but the money line is you know a lot of games fall one or two points <laughs> i understand that i mean yeah. I, i'm to me like the super bowl in your mind it's like the one game all year in your mind where you go okay i'm gonna pick a winner here if the points fall where i want them to fall i'm happy but i'm gonna pick a winner so if you pick kansas city you're you're picking them to win right you're picking them to win no i'm taking a two and a half point i'm giving it to you I know. Okay. But, but if you ask me, I, will I go to the casino today and when I actually make my bet, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll probably put, do a money line ticket. Okay. But okay. that's not what I'm recommended to, to. That's not what my algorithm, T-Boy and ACL, they, they, they don't buy the algorithm. They tell an algorithm. We know? are grateful, as we always are this year and all years, to T-Boy and ACL. Because it yes. gets you on the show, and it makes me very happy. All yes, right, we will watch for you. It, it, Thank you, James. And I got, I'm coming to Washington in a couple of months, and you're going to have Let's to have dinner. a social event. It's yes. going to be a, a book party for Steve Gleason. Okay. And, you know, that was pretty big. Let me block that punt in that first game you were calling in the office. That's exactly out. right. That's exactly and he, right. He's been, and he still can't move, but he's still fighting away. Loudest cool. noise I ever heard. In a sports event. Loudest noise of my life. And, and you know, he's got that terrible Lou Gehrig. I know. I know. Yeah, but I it's, know. he's had it for a few years, right? You're saying it's... He's had it for well over 10 years. Yeah. A well, long time. So I it is. Thank you, James. Yeah. Best right. at home. We'll see you. James Bye-bye. Carville, boys and girls. Those are a bunch of bets. I assume when he says Christian McCarthy... I assume he means Christian McCaffrey. Unless there's a guy playing on that squad that I wasn't aware of. Christian McCaffrey, by the way, named Offensive Player of the Year last night. Lamar Jackson named MVP. I'll make Miles happy. Garrett named a Defensive Player of the Year. And Kevin Stefanski, Penn grad, Kevin Stefanski named Coach of the Year over D'Amico Ryans, which I, I, I was a little bit surprised. Rookie of the Year, uh, offense and defense both come from Houston. Oh, C.J. Stroud, again, you're Carolina, you got the one pick, you pick Bryce Young, I don't know. Eh, I don't know. C.J. Stroud looks like a better pick. Is Jeff with us? Jeff is indeed with us. This week's picks by James Carville and Jeff Maher, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. All right, before we get to any of the football, can we go over what happened with betting at Pebble when they called it at 54 because it seems to be crazy what happened, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there were some major issues because obviously, uh, you know, if you watched the round three coverage, you know, you had Jim Nance and everyone saying, hey, Wyndham Clark may have just won. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but I think DraftKings ne- uh, neglected to take down the actual betting markets. And so some people bet, you know, on Wyndham Clark to win. But what was even more is that some people bet some really big parlays, these, you know, same game parlays, which these companies have marketed and, and tried to use to extract money out of 
every you know unsuspecting customer and you know if you parlayed all of the top five guys and all of the top 10 guys you could create these products where you bet twenty dollars and you could win seven hundred fifty thousand dollars and so wow there are rumors that there was two hundred fifteen dollars or sorry two hundred twenty million dollars in liability that these companies had basically because people took a shot on this and the shot was that they wouldn't play round four and if they did you know the the standings would be as they were now this is the controversy is that uh, DraftKings you know supposedly had in their language that they didn't you know if, if round four wasn't played then that's placed after round three was um, concluded wouldn't count but the rumor is that they added that language in after the fact to take advantage of the fact that, or to get themselves out of having to pay this. It, it's a, it's a, it just underlies this issue that these companies are much more interested in creating products that can extract money from, you know, the customers than creating the security rails to make sure that they don't get into these liabilities because, you know, they, they, they shouldn't put themselves in this risk in the first place. But then the only reason they do it is because they know that they are generally on the, you know, on, on the right side of all this from an odds perspective. Will there be lawsuits? I, I would guess there will be lawsuits, yeah. I, I, I don't know how this gets proven, um, but, but yeah, I do think there will be lawsuits. You know, it's, it's, it's tough because obviously they you know made a mistake and as sports bettors you don't necessarily want to ethically make money like that off of a mistake but also they have some sort of responsibility and and they don't you know again like let's just say that for whatever reason they did end up playing round four they wouldn't be giving people their twenty dollars back they'd be certainly taking that money so it doesn't seem necessarily fair one way or the other we got an email about this from Justin Monteforti in uh, Ambler, Pennsylvania, and he talked about Rufus's thoughts on this. Can you uh, sort of in a synopsize what Rufus had to say? Because he's a big golf guy. Yeah, Rufus is two things, right? One, he's a big golf guy, and two, he came out of the bookmaking business. So in other words, when he first graduated from Yale, he moved out to Las Vegas, and he worked for some of the original odds makers in Las Vegas sort of on the other side of the counter. That's how we learn. So he really believes in sort of like this unwritten code. And he feels like these people that were trying to take a shot on at this were breaking that unwritten code. I don't totally agree with him because I just, I, I think that the practices of the sports books can be so predatory. Again, that they, the fact that they have these products, you know, i.e. like people being able to stack up all these things to, to feel like they're going to win a lottery ticket the reason they have these is because they know they're terrible bets. And generally it's like a long shot in horse racing. People as, as individuals don't really understand the difference between bad odds and really, really bad odds as humans. And so, you know, like again, so his belief was that, you know, they shouldn't have to pay and ultimately, but he was basically saying like, this just highlights this idea that these, these sports books are just not built on very good technology or very good operations. And that that's what they should be worried about versus like changing terms of service after the fact. All right. Well, we'll move from that to the Super Bowl itself. And the obvious question it's in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is the betting capital of the country. Does that affect anything that, that the actual site 
being in Las Vegas? Does that affect volume of bets? Does it affect odds? Does it change anything? Yeah, I, you know, we talked about this on Bet the Process, and and you know, just to get ahead of the question, we had professional bettors Matt David Al and Zach White on to talk about this whole idea of you know just betting on on the game, and and the, in, we talked a little bit about the impact of having it in Vegas, and and their thoughts were that it probably would, and the reason is because you know there is a lot of volume bet in Vegas, and specifically around some of these you know prop bets that um are only offered or are offered in, in the most volume in vegas and so those are the ones that probably could have the biggest impact meaning because they're getting a lot of betting on certain things in vegas it would have a trickle down effect now the worldwide market outside of vegas is still much 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 bigger than what happens in vegas um but yeah there is that thought and then obviously the other other thing is is whether you know there there is any sort of inside information that happens with everyone being in Vegas and sort of seeing what's happening mm-hmm. in Vegas. I think that's probably the largest concern that the NFL has to you know worry about. But obviously, sports betting has become so uh, widespread that you know you and you can be anywhere and make a bet. Um, but obviously, it, it's easier in Vegas, so the volume will go up in Vegas, and generally, like some of the lines, I think will be impacted by that. Are there prop bets you like and you would advise our listeners to do? Um, there's a few. I mean, I think generally, uh, you know, the way to bet the prop bets is, is generally to bet the unders um, because of the fact that the public likes to bet over. So you, you bet on things not to happen and you bet on things to go under. Um, I think some of the Chiefs unders, i.e. Patrick Mahomes passing yardage, I think uh, if you're going to try to bet that, you want to bet that on Sunday right before game time. Because a lot of people are going to believe that his number is going to go over. Obviously, he's struggled all year, um, and it's kind of been masked by the last three games where it seems like his offense is back. But, you know, if you think about the two games that he played at the beginning of the playoffs, i.e., Miami and Buffalo, both of those defenses were on fumes and had nobody left. And I think their offense has been largely, um, you know, sort of overrated by the fact that they got to play some, some weak teams or weak defenses at the end. So I like the Mahomes under. I like uh, Travis Kelsey's under yardage. So Mahomes, I think, is going to be over 260, something like that. So I think if you can get under 260, uh, that's good. Kelsey, I think, again, had his best game against Baltimore. Can he replicate that against really good interior you know, linemen like Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw? So um, I also like if you're going to bet the Niners, I like the Niners to win the first half and to win the game. Um, I think if they win this game, it's likely that they'll be, you know, winning at halftime because that's just how they are. They need to get ahead early. Obviously, the last two games have been games where they've been able to come back. But generally, as a team, they're a team that's a good front-running team. So you can bet the them to win in the first half and to be winning in the game, and you can get plus money to do that, i.e. they're like an underdog to do that. Even though they're the favorite to win the game? Yeah, even though they're the favorite to win the game, if you bet on both of them to win the you know first half, you, but right. you have to win both of those to win the game, right? So they have they're losing at the beginning of the first half, at the end of the first half, and then they win the game, you lose that bet. So which team would you bet on? You'd bet on San Francisco. Yeah, I'm going to bet on San Francisco here. Um, you know, the line started at two and a half, went down to one, settled in at two here. Um, 
I think, you know, from a season-long analytics perspective, the Niners should be favored by probably about four, four and a half. Obviously, their defense has struggled recently, but I think that's going to matter less in a situation where, again, I, I'm kind of down on this on this Chiefs offense, despite the fact that, you know, that the narrative, and, and a lot of times you want to try to bet against narratives, is that Patrick Mahomes is playoff Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, like you can't bet against him, and who's going to bet against him, and all the noises that the, you know, the Chiefs are the team, but the Niners are still favored for a reason. Um, I think offensively, I think a lot of this game is going to come down to sort of early down success because they want to get out of situations against the Chiefs where Spagnola will be able to dial up the blitzes. So I think if if Kyle can get some running going early and some play action going early and stay out of third down, third and long, and keep Purdy in good situations, I think the Niners will be able to score a lot of you know, a fair amount of points, and I think they'll win this game. I also like the over, I'm sorry, the under generally in this game. It's 47 and a half. Uh, I think that's a lot of points in this NFL in, in a game where I think the pace will be pretty slow um, and the possessions will be somewhat limited. I agree with the under. I mean, if you look at San Fran, not San Francisco, if you look at Kansas City the last two games, they scored in the first half and held on. They did not score a lot of points. They didn't need to score a lot of points. They have a really good defense. Spagnolo's really good. So I agree with that. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, you can listen to Bet the Process. It's a wonderful podcast, and we will come back with email and jingle. And let me say that this week's picks with James Carville and Jeff Ma have been brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag, got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag, gonna read some for all you folks. That's Bryant Adler. I've never heard that before. Oh, that's a quickie. Yeah, we played that one a couple of times. That's, yeah. uh, you know. In and out. Yeah, that's real good. <laughs> yeah. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag in honor of a group that some of you may have heard of, let's just say, well, she was just 17. You know what I mean. And the way she looked was way beyond compare. So how could I dance with another when I saw her standing there? That is Sir Paul McCartney from the Beatles. And whenever that song was played when I was a kid, people screamed, so how could I dance with her mother? That's <laughs> what everybody did. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lock and Fora, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review. Got a nice note from our friend George Millay, who draws such beautiful watercolors. Oh, the watercolors are amazing. And he says, um, Friday, January 19th, was the 50th anniversary of Notre Dame men's basketball ending UCLA's 88-game winning streak on a South Bend afternoon in 1974. I was assigned to revisit the historic event, so I called Digger Phelps, who also lives in South Bend. He graciously came right to the TV station. We did a thoughtful interview. His memory is seemingly photographic. We took a picture after our interview, though I'm sure Mr. Tony already saw this while perusing his Instagram feed. <laughs> Snap face, as we say. And there's a link to the story. But on a personal note, um, George writes, our legendary anchor here at NBC in South Bend, Terry McFadden, is retiring at the end of the month. Our news director, Gary Wardlaw, has named me to be a successor. You might know Gary as he was the longtime news director at WJLA when it was owned by Albritton. So congratulations to George. And I remember that game because I was at that game. And I um, know Digger pretty well, and I like Digger very much. And I find it hard to believe that Digger Phelps is not in the Basketball Hall of Fame for all he did as a coach and a commentator. And yeah. I, I just, 
Wilbon and I are stunned every year that he's not in. Let me get to some email here. I, Eric um, Laundergren, who's who Laundergren, who is the great cartoonist who sends us stuff. Yes, we love him. Somehow unearthed a picture of Douglas Hegel, <laughs> the assistant principal at George Hegel-ver. W. Hewlett High School. <laughs> Hegel is a beagle, <laughs> and he did a cartoon of him as Snoopy. Yeah. But there's but an actual is- picture of Doug Hegel. I, I don't know how you could get this. Do you still have it's the impulse to, to call him Mr. Hegel? Or sure, is he- of course. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> but that's that, that's sort of amazing. Yes. From Matthew Johnson of Greensboro, North Carolina. With the Super Bowl happening in Las Vegas on Sunday, a lot of specials and podcasts have popped up with episodes uh, focusing on the history of the legendary City of Sin, including CBS's Sunday Morning. Yet I have been troubled as none of these episodes have even mentioned the singular man who had the vision, (laughs) guts, and idea to build a city out of a desert stopover for GIs on the way to the West Coast. That kid's name was Mo Green, and the city he invented was Las Vegas. Can I see one eye, please? (laughs) Patrick Vincencio in Laurel, Maryland. I share Patrick Smith's sentiment in regards to emails read from Patrick Sitter. I would get disappointed if my email is not read. I've had a few read, but I'm no Patrick Sitter. Perhaps Nigel can gather all the emails sent by the Patricks and read them on St. Patrick's Day, except Patrick Sitter. <laughs> by the way, Chuck Todd had a great record betting this past season. Perhaps he can start his own betting cod- podcast. A couple of names I suggest, Bet the Press or Meet the Process. <laughs> his first guest can be Carville. From Patrick Sitter. In South- Sioux Falls, South Dakota, again. <laughs> Open letter to Patrick Smith from Annandale, Virginia, and all other littles named Patrick. I want to apologize for any disappointment and depression you experience when Tony reads one of my emails rather than one of yours. My initial reaction is to suggest try writing smarter and funnier emails. If your emails were smarter and funnier, maybe Tony would start reading more of them. This is exactly what I would say, right? That's what I would say. That's what Wilbon would say. Wait, you don't like us to get 59 points? Get your defense on the field and stop us. Having said that, Patrick Sitter continues, for me to suggest that you try writing smarter and funnier emails would be mean-spirited. So I'll refrain from suggesting that you try writing smarter and funnier emails. Anyway, to assuage your disappointment and depression wouldn't help if Tony prefaced reading my emails in a different manner. How about from email deity Patrick Sitter in Sioux South Dakota? Or from the email author you aspire to be, Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? It's wonderful. Brandon Borzelli, who needs no introduction. Love Brandon. Rumor has it that the Neil Diamond Barbra Streisand duet only came about because the original duo of Barry Manilow Barbra Streisand was scratched when it was learned at the last minute that Manilow was escorted to the state border. (laughs) What goes around comes around, huh, Barry? (laughs) From James Etling. From James Etling in Chicago. Good talk on the Luke Combs cover of Fast Car. Though the cover of Phil Collins is in the air tonight, you and Michael discussed, is performed by Chris Stapleton. Okay, I, I didn't know that, but I see it all the time. Sure. You know, and with all due respect to Sir Paul, if Whitney Houston's walking out on stage to sing a duet with him today, I'm pretty sure Miss Houston's going to be the story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, that's certainly true. I have a story in the New York Times that I need to give to Michael. It's a beautiful story by um, a music critic about that particular moment, about Fast Car. I, and I'm, I'll show it to you later. From Brian Moeller. Yeah, Chuck and Roxy, 167. (laughs) We get to witness the power music has on our lives every day in the way Mr. Tony has the amazing ability to recite words from decades ago. 
I realize Toby Keith's passing may not fall into usual genre of preferred music, but the announcement of his passing drew me to pulling up some of his hits while cooking dinner. As song after song played, I found myself able to recite every word with near accuracy of a great half like yourself. I was immediately taken back to 20 years ago and my three young kids belting out every lyric from the back of the minivan. As much as I remember the grinding headaches of those long drives, it still brought back such pleasant memories of our kids. That's the power of music, a few bars or words of a familiar song, and we're immediately swept back in time. So keep cranking out those classics, Grandpa. I know I speak for all littles when I say we're enjoying the trip right along with you. Lachiserie and eat it, Alec Cobb. P.S. Alex and I are headed to St. Louis to hear Dan Byrne live on Monday, February 12th. Hope to fill the place with fellow littles. That's very, very nice. And he's Love right it. about music. Oh, music, sure. You know. Particularly when music hits you at a specific time in your life. So yes. for me, Toby Keith was late high school, and you just never forget yeah. those lyrics. Yeah, I'm not a, uh, yeah, I'm unfamiliar with Toby Keith's music. I know he passed. As good as I once was. Hmm? I'm just you like sharing it. some songs, yes. Yeah, okay. Matt Rousset in Lawrenceville, New Jersey. I think that's Bob Ryan's hometown. I think he was Lawrence, born in I think, Lawrenceville. I think I you're his right. his dad was the AD at Lawrenceville. I think you're right. I just drove from Florida to New Jersey, predominantly through I-95. I felt you should know. Also, a heads up, there was construction in North Carolina. Thank you. From uh, Ryan Coyle in Charleston, West Virginia, let's recap a few gems from Wednesday's mailbag that rival Wilbon's musing on various things Midwestern. I love I-95. Don't like to drive on it. Yogi Berra couldn't have said it better himself. When most people landed here, they landed in the east, and they went north or south. They didn't go west. It took until the railroad to go west, but they went north or south on I-95. But can you imagine how bad the traffic jam must have been as the Union soldiers packed onto I-95 and made their way to Savannah to meet up with Sherman? Yeah, I got carried away. I clearly got carried away on that because there were no cars at that time, and there was no I-95. And someone in this room should have said, you know, what minute. are you doing? And then, like in Animal House, you say, let it go. He's right. on a roll. He's on a roll. Yeah, let it go. At least By the you're way, south of the border. Yeah. Never saw such a place. Yeah. Bob Ryan, born in Trenton, but did go to Lawrenceville, Lawrenceville. School. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Joe Pierce in Indianapolis. Big where We know guy. a thing or two about interstates yes. since we have four that intersect here. I-65, I-69, I-70, I-74. All coming together downtown in what is affectionately referred to as a spaghetti bowl. Let me get this straight. So you're seriously suggesting that I-95 predates the railroads? <laughs> Let's see if that's right. In 1869 at Promontory Point in Utah, Leland Stanford, yes, that Stanford, drove the Golden Spike to link the east and west by rail, ignoring the fact that the first practical production automobile was not introduced until 1888 by Carl Benz. Yes, that Benz. The interstate system itself was not even constructed until the 1950s. U.S. 1 was there, sure, but only since the start of the 20th century. And come on, I-95 wasn't even completed until 2018 when a gap in central New Jersey was finally filled. The TK show. Come for Wilbon and geography. Stay for Tony and transportation. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I got that wrong. The best right? is to talk to the socialite about the building of the Bellway when, before the, the final stretch connected, and kids could just ride their bikes. Oh, oh Jeannie yeah. would talk about that all the time. Is that right? Yeah, wow. riding bikes on the Beltway. Yeah, um, uh, Eric Rowan in Niceville, Florida. I'm in the process of hiring an entry-level industrial engineer and screening many resumes of soon-to-be college graduates. My heart nearly skipped a beat when the words Binghamton University, SUNY, Thomas J. Watson College of Engineering and Applied Science, jumped off the page of one young lady's resume. Could this qualify as a David Aldrich moment, I asked myself? Fortunately, our qualifications were more than sufficient to justify a phone interview because I would have hated to miss the opportunity to speak to a Binghamton grad. We had a delightful conversation in which she proved herself to be as worthy a candidate as her resume indicated, and after formalities were complete, I couldn't resist the temptation to broach the subject. I was sure she understood that what followed would have no bearing on our job prospects, but I wondered if she was a sports fan. 
Her response was not encouraging. Well, I like to ski and I watch some hockey. Okay, should I let it go or press on? In for a penny, in for a pound. I pressed on. Are you familiar with one of your university's most famous alumni, Tony Kornheiser? Who? Well, I nearly blurted Tony Kornheiser, ESPN, the PTI guy. I instead replied he was a sports writer for Newsday, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Now he hosts a show on ESPN. He has a podcast, both of which I listen to religiously. Oh, she replied timidly. Will it help if I look him up and listen? I quickly reassured her it had no bearing on her chances of being hired for the position and shifted the conversation to our shared love of skiing. But hey, maybe, just maybe, you have a new fan at your alma mater thanks to this little interaction. And if I do end up hiring her, I will definitely make every effort to win her over for you. Which is very nice. That, is yeah, nice. that was what I was waiting for. Did you hire her? Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you hire her? Mm-hmm. Mark Lynch, Camby, Indiana. The greatest moment in television history to me is the penguin dance. The penguin dance. <laughs> Back to the front. Yeah. Side to side. Side to side. Double time. Chris in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. Falconry? You always pronounced it falconry? I bet Michael was thinking, I wish I had a nickel for all the times my dad has droned on about falconry. Yep. Oh, wait, I do. <laughs> I don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> well, we all have our hobbies. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's how I pronounce it. Uh, Steve from Forest Hills in Queens. Can you pass this question on to Ashton Wingate in Queens? What part of Queens do you live in? Do you ever go to Dirty Pierre's? <laughs> Just, these emails make me so happy. Uh, Ramon Rubalcaba in Mesa, Arizona. What do you mean you had nothing to watch this past Sunday? Did you not give Bradley Beal his flowers and watch him drop 43 on your Virginia Wizards? <laughs> the end of that game, garbage time, had more people I do not know than the Grammys. Don't sleep on Bowl Bowl. Bowl Bowl can't play, all right? And I love this new expression, to give somebody their flowers. Right, that just means yeah. give them praise? Yeah. Is that what the kids that say? Seems nice. Um, Robbie Andrews, Vienna, Virginia. I had it, my David Aldridge moment. On the February 7th show, you reopen... The reopen featured Marty O'Neill's You Ain't Got Me, which featured, as Tony read, subsequent guitar work in production by the brilliant Buddy Spires, or Spires of 38 North Studio in Falls Church, Virginia. Coincidentally, listening to the show while my daughter was at swim practice, I said out loud, I know that guy. As a kid, I was on the swim team at a local pool in Falls Church, and Robert Buddy pronounced Spear. Oh, okay, Spear, like a weapon, was the teenage star of the team and owner of almost half the team records. He won nearly every race, had long hair, and played in a band. As an 8, 9, 10-year-old, part of the team of 5 to 18-year-olds, you could look up to the teenagers, and Buddy was the obvious choice. He called me Little Buddy, likely less to do with my breaststroke uh, prowess and more because of our shared first name. It's been 30 years, but these are my version of Camp Kiuma memories. And while we're on the topic, can my daughter be the official 10 and under girl swimmer of the show? If so, eat it Negrelli. It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. These things are so weird. From Chip Robinson in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, I'm going to email my Costco story. Well, it's actually more of a Costco parking lot story. But I'm going to email it. Just not today. Well, then we'll wait for it, Chip. <laughs> right. We'll wait for like it. Teasy. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Now, if there's anything I can do for you, but I certainly hope you'll die, die soon. soon. <laughs>
Summer.